I can tell you that in my 39 years of law enforcement experience, in my heart, I believe that having select individuals on our campuses with the ability to immediately engage or respond to an active shooter is paramount in protecting our children. Welcome to the Florida Today Eye on Brevard podcast. I'm Rob Landers. The audio you just heard was Brevard County Sheriff Wayne Ivey talking about the new STOMP program that he is proposing to instill in Brevard County Public Schools. Joining me in the studio for our podcast, as always, is my colleague and co-host, Isadora Rangel. Isadora, welcome Hello. to the studio. And joining us uh, for the second time since we started the podcast, we've only done three of those these, and she's back already, it's Florida Today education reporter, Caroline Glenn. Caroline, welcome back to the studio. Thank you for having me. Okay, Isadora, I'm going to toss it over to you. Let's, let's talk about this, this sheriff's proposal and things that are going on in the state legislature this week. Sure. Well, the sheriff came out this week with his plan um, to arm school personnel and um, basically, I believe, deputize them. Um, Selective. Use yes. the air quotes around And that. it would be Selective. a voluntary program, right, Caroline? If you can explain the basics. Yeah. So under the STOMP program, uh, school employees could volunteer. It's completely voluntary. And they would receive training from the Brevard County Sheriff's Office. They would receive a minimum of 130 hours of training. Um, background checks, psychological screenings. He said basically everything that goes into being hired by their sheriff's office, usually. Um, and then those volunteers would be permitted to carry firearms onto school campuses. Um, there's not uh, too many details about this proposal yet. It's still in the very early stages, but Sheriff Ivy said he envisions that while school administrators and first responders would know the identities of these volunteers, that parents and children would not know who these volunteers are. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's very similar to the, the bill that's moving in the legislature. Uh, obviously very controversial. Um, the identity, like I said, would, uh, of the teachers and school personnel would be protected. It would be exempted from public records. That has uh, brought opposition from the First Amendment Foundation, which fights for more access to public records. Um, so one of the questions I think that people have is where the gun would be kept. Do we know that from the sheriff's plan? No, that's actually one of the questions that hasn't been answered yet. I've heard a few conflicting ideas. Would it be on their hip? Would it be concealed? Would it be in a safe? Um, there's a lot of questions that we don't know the answers to. Ivy said he doesn't know how much it would cost to purchase all the firearms and provide the training yet. Um, we also aren't sure could the school district or the sheriff's office be held liable if you know there's a misfire or an accident? Um, we're not sure about training to identify um, children with special needs. Perhaps we saw just today in Brevard, an autistic boy was walking down the street with a toy gun and he was considered a threat at first. Um, so a lot of questions like that I'm hearing from parents, from teachers. Um, teachers are also wondering, you know, what if one school has 50 volunteers and one school has zero volunteers. Are teachers going to be shifted around to make sure it's evenly dispersed? Um, at this time, the sheriff said teachers wouldn't be compensated or get a bonus for doing this volunteer program. It would just be completely voluntary. Yeah, so the House and the Senate want to allocate $67 million. Uh, at least in the House version, it, it mandates that all the sheriffs provide this program and the school districts would opt in or out and charter schools um, have the same ability because they have an independent board. Um, in terms of where the gun would be carried, uh, from what I read in the Senate bill, it calls for uh, the gun being concealed on someone's body. 
Um, the House bill doesn't make reference, but we spoke with um, State Representative Wendy Fine, and he indicated one of the ways to do it would be to keep it in a lockbox in, in a classroom. And one of the issues that has been brought up is what happens when there is an active shooter? How do you know the teacher is not the actual shooter? So um, the bill specifically says that the person, this marshal, would um, have to be identifiable. We don't know what exactly that means. Representative Fine suggested a vest that they would keep in a lockbox and as soon as um, mm -hmm. there is a shooting, they can put it on. Yeah, I heard that from um, one of the former principals out here in Brevard, Gary Schifrin. He just the other day spoke to the board that when first responders get to the school because of an active shooter, if there's five volunteer marshals holding guns, how do they know who is the active shooter and who are the volunteers trying to help? So um, that's one of the questions on people's minds as well. Yeah, and so uh, Quinnipiac University, I always mess up. I, did I say it right, Quinnipiac? I have absolutely no yeah. idea. Yeah, Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm Brazilian. Uh, they conducted a poll that was released yesterday that showed 56% of Florida voters oppose arming teachers. Um, and they also won more gun control that involves um, the so-called ban on assault weapons and, and more provisions. So... Governor Scott has also come out against Army teachers, and so has U.S. Senator Marco Rubio. Both of those guys are actually very pro-gun, and they're coming out against this. And so the legislature is facing a lot of opposition. The Black Caucus, which is made up by Democrats, has come out against it. So they're facing a lot of a lot of backlash, including from people um, from Parkland. So I want to know where the Republicans in the House and the Senate magically came up with $67 million to put into schools to buy guns, but we can't put $60 million into schools to fund education, to further fund education. I, I, it's, it, this is baffling to me. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm dumbfounded at the, oh, we need money to arm teachers? Well, let's magically make the money yeah. come from somewhere but we can't do it before a tragedy happens to actually fund education in this state. I, I don't, I'm just baffled. And, I, and I've yeah. heard from the, the local teachers union here and the local administrators association have both said that they would rather that money be put towards just more trained officers in the classrooms. What I'm kind of hearing from a lot of people is that they're not necessarily against having more armed people in the school to protect students, but they want it to be trained law enforcement officers who went to school for this, who this is their life. You know, 130 hours um, compared for, for a volunteer compared to a police officer who does this every single day of their life, there's a big yeah. difference there. And um, Isadora, how you said that a lot of groups are coming out and speaking against it. The teachers union here in Brevard and the administrators association have both said that they will not endorse it as the plan is right now. And we did our own poll um, here at Florida Today, which, you know, is just a very random not survey monkey. Um, it just simply asked, do you agree with the sheriff's plan? You could say yes or no. And the last time I checked, it had about 1,400 responses, and it was very split. It was about 53% yes, I agree, and 47% no, I don't agree. And what I found on Facebook, on social media, was people were very split. I was surprised. Uh, Rob, like you said, it's a very Republican county that we're living in, um, usually quite conservative. But there were parents on both sides of the aisle, parents who said this would make them feel safer, and parents who said, I'm pulling my kid out of school if you do this. Yeah. Well, do we know that they're only parents, too? You know what I mean? Or, or are these the people who are like, in my taxes, this is where I wanted to go to, you know, sitting in the, the armchair on their, their front porch kind of 
Yeah, no, that's a good point. We're hearing from all sorts of people. When I was at the school board meeting on Tuesday night, about 24 speakers signed up to talk during public comment, and it was people from all walks of life. It was parents who have um, kids in the system right now. It was grandparents who have kids in the system. It was. It was the guy who said, you know, I've only ever voted in my, you know, that's all the most political I've gotten. I don't have any kids here, but I just have an opinion. Um, it was also teachers who were on both sides. Sometimes teachers just had questions. Some teachers said, I will quit if you pass this. Some teachers said, I would be interested. I want to volunteer. I want to do this. So um, from what I've seen is it's, it's very split and it's getting the attention of everyone, not just parents, not just teachers. Every, everyone has a stake in public education at the end of the day. Yeah, they do. Um, one of the things, our editorial board, which I oversee, um, actually came out against our main school personnel. Um, but we like a lot of the provisions that are in the House and Senate bills. Uh, there's more money for school resource officers. They want to, I think, at least one of the versions, they want at least one per school. There's more money to make schools safer and to uh, quote unquote hearten them. There's more money for mental health counseling. So there are good things in that bill. I think. Obviously, our main school personnel is going to be the, the main issue. My only concern is 130 hours, although it sounds like a lot. It's only three weeks of training. It's three weeks and um, 10 hours. So, And then you're expecting people to react in the most stressful and dangerous situation that even a law enforcement may encounter. The other thing is I, I understand the, that the, the, the identity of these people would be kept secret. Obviously, we want to protect them, but there is an, uh, an adverse effect to that is that parents wouldn't know whether the teacher in their children's classroom is carrying a gun. And there is an argument to be made that they, they have the right to know. Um, so I've, I've gone into this with an open mind. Um, I think that it, it, the best solution is make it almost impossible for people to enter schools. I prefer to see metal detectors before. I see That's, school I, personnel I with, walking and around with guns two weeks if we're ago, going to extreme measures. Two weeks ago when you were sitting in that exact same seat, Caroline, you said in five years, I don't want to make any you know stark predictions, but I see a world where you know we already have, who knew five years ago that the TSA or 10 years ago that the TSA would be you know making us take our shoes off in the airports. Mm -hmm. I, I completely agree. I would much rather money be spent to put metal detectors and single point of entry in every school in Florida than to put weapons in the hands of teachers mm -hmm. I, 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 or school personnel, mm -hmm. rather. I mean, and, and by school personnel, are they talking about, okay, so, you know, we don't have any teachers that are volunteering, but the lunch ladies have volunteered? Mm -hmm. are, are they school personnel that could be armed? Yeah, they can. Anyone, any school employee. Um I think that, yeah, you bring up a, a good point, and, and Dr. Blackburn, Superintendent Doc, uh, Dr. Blackburn has said that the voice of the students needs to be included in this, and he has said that he, you know, some of those Parkland students made their way up to Tallahassee in the past couple weeks, and, you know, we hear that saying a lot, that schools, you don't want it to feel like a prison. One of the students from Parkland said, we don't care, we want it to be safe. And so I think that people have this weird notion in their heads sometimes of, like, we don't want the school to feel like a prison, but I think there are maybe ways, there's just a lot to think about. Even with metal detectors, I was just talking to a security company the other day. Well, if you have a high school with 1,200 students and you need to get them all through a metal detector, how long is that gonna take? Does school need to start earlier? Is first period pushed back? So I think that one of the biggest things here is that you can't just, we can't just throw out an idea. There, you know, Isidore and I were just talking a second ago about all the questions we have about this sheriff's plan. If there was a plan to put in metal detectors, I would have all these questions. 
And I think that that's something that's being a little bit ignored is that we're just throwing out sort of a philosophical idea. But this actually has to be executed. Just here in Brevard County, we have 82 schools, we have 9,000 employees, 173,000 kids, and it's gonna take a lot of detail and logistics to enact any of this. I think that's been the problem in the very beginning, since the very beginning though, is that you know everything has philosophically been thrown out there, but nothing has been done. Mm -hmm. And so philosophically, let's just get something done. And, and you know, whether I agree completely with the House and Senate proposals, whether I agree with the sheriff's plan, at least something is getting done. Um, Even at the board meeting on Tuesday, um, conversation was happening. And I do think that it was good conversation. You had people on both sides of the aisle who hated the sheriff's plan and who loved the sheriff's plan. And while the school board themselves did not weigh in yet, I thought it was good to see people talking about it. That. And I try to remind myself, even if I disagree with someone completely, everyone is scared right now. You know, parents, grandparents, teachers, they're all scared and they're all trying to come up with a solution. And sometimes that's why we have these, what seems like a wacky solution, is someone is at least trying to find something. But I think that at least that conversation is starting and whether you agree or disagree with the sheriff's plan, maybe that's what we needed to kick off the conversation here locally. Um, Park, Parkland obviously had already happened, but still people start thinking, well, I don't live in Broward County. That, that hasn't happened in Brevard. Well, now it's, now it's at the forefront. So let's move on to a happier theme, uh, something that happened in our backyard at FIT. Right, so an FIT shark biologist is part of a team that has gone, ha, huh, see, we don't know everything, and have actually discovered a new species of shark. Now, this shark is, it's the Atlantic six-gill shark, and it apparently looks very, very similar to other six-gill sharks that are swimming out and about in the ocean, uh, in the very deep ocean. But when you get down into the tissue and look at the DNA, they are vastly different sharks. Um, these are, are deep sea dwellers, and it's just another reminder that, you know, when we think we know everything about this planet that we live on, uh, nature pops up and goes, surprise! So, And may I say, we're sitting right next to Catherine the Shark. Rob Landers is Catherine the Shark. She's going to be tweeting out this podcast. And where can you follow Catherine you the Shark? You can follow Catherine on Twitter at at shark underscore Catherine. <laughs> Thank you for that plug. And the, I'm sure my friends at OSearch, who likes to go out and tag sharks. And uh, our reporter, Rick Neal, who did the story, his story got picked up by Stephen, Stephen Colbert. Colbert. Stephen Colbert tweeted this out. Yeah. So a so. shout out to Colbert. I think he's funny. I do, too. I love yeah. how you guys think that a new shark is happy news. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Okay, look, I, I will go on record it's and, cool and quote Chris Fisher, the head of OSearch. The, he's the guy who actually tagged Catherine back in 2013. Um, he said, look, if you don't have sharks in the ocean, then you don't have filet of fish sandwiches at your McDonald's. You don't, but, but they're such an integral part of the, the ocean's um, ecosystem that, I mean, yeah, it is a happy thing because... We need them out there. We need them out there to keep the seal population controlled. We need them out there to, you know, we do. Um, I, pr I appreciate the role they played in Finding Nemo, and that's well, they, my official opinion. Oh, come on. They get a bad reputation. They I do mean, have a very bad so reputation. It's very unlikely that you will get attacked by a shark. That's, it's, it, it's unlikely. You, there, are, there are sharks that are here in Brevard County, and it's funny mm -hmm. that Brevard, Brevard has this, this unique history with sharks. Like, you know, Catherine is pinged off of the coast here. She... 
came very close to the mouth of Sebastian Inlet when she was uh, making her travels uh, down here a few years ago when I actually created the account for her. Um, we had a bull shark that was dropped in the pond at Gleason Park. It was, uh, it was just like three feet long. It was swimming around, and so it took forever to, to get it out of there. And we just have this really unique relationship with sharks. There are bull sharks that live in the Indian River. Um, and I will tell you that if you're going out, because I've done a lot of research and a lot of talking to people about sharks over the past few years with Catherine, um, if you're out in, in the ocean, um, if you get bumped by a shark, it's more than likely a bull shark who is trying to get you out of his territory. They're mean. Um, but, you know, you're, you're in their living room, and it's sometimes yeah. the, the sand gets stirred up, and if you can't, it's like fumbling through your living room in the dark. Sometimes you knock a lamp over, sometimes you bite a leg. Um, <laughs> Did you guys learn the stingray shuffle when you were in school? No. Did you guys go, to, well, you didn't go to school in Florida, Isidore, but did you I go didn't to? Either. In Florida, when you grow up in public schools, at least I did, and I'm, if you need to know, 24 years old, um, we learned the stingray shuffle. And that's what you, you shuffle your feet. As I do it for sharks, too. I you think Carol and I just try to make us feel old. <laughs> Probably. Well, also, it's like a Florida <laughs> thing, because I've asked people who didn't grow up, and they think that's the weirdest thing in the world. Uh, but where did you grow up? I grew up in Tampa. Yeah. So okay. So I think, that's, I think that's I think that's a Gulf Coast thing. Maybe. I don't think it's an East Coast thing. Oh, okay. Because the stingrays like to well, settle on the bottom of the Gulf Coast because the waves anything. aren't really that bad over there, and you can actually see the bottom of the water most of the time in the Gulf, uh, okay. um, and you can see like the ripples where the sand falls. So yeah, you kind of have to shuffle there. I, I shuffle. I like manatees better than sharks. <laughs> so anyways. So um, that would end our podcast. So that's, yeah, okay. So Caroline's um, hatred. I think there was more agreement about gun control issues than if sharks are a good animal. Although or not. I will say, I will say that, that um, in, in tying both of those stories together, one of my most favorite memes that I have seen in, um, in the past week or so was a lifeguard standing on the beach holding a shark. And it said, I'm now armed with a shark so that I can run out to the ocean and save swimmers from being attacked by a shark. Much like teachers with guns. Anyway, if I yeah. have to explain it, it's not really fun. But <laughs> That's I how the two it, so. go together. <laughs> That's right. So anyway, uh, on that note, that wraps up this week's podcast. I'd like to thank everybody for joining us. Remember, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or in the SoundCloud app. And be sure to tune in next Wednesday on WEFS and on FloridaToday.com for Isadora's interview with the Brevard Zoo Executive Director, Keith Winston. Thanks, everybody, and we'll catch you next week.